Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Power, the righteous runneth into it, and there they are safe, or they are lifted up. And just like when the rains came, it destroyed what was on the outside, but it lifted up what was on the inside of the ark. This church, I, I just tell you, Peter, this church is an ark that uh, is, is, is built, it has been built, and will continue to be built. Glory to God. So I'm glad to be with you here on the ark today. Amen. We're in for a ride. It's a good ride. Jesus is Lord. God is good. And uh, just between you and me, everything's going to be all right. Amen. You bring your Bibles this morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of... Uh, Joshua, chapter 1. And in this, we uh, look at some things. You know, this is, a, this is a celebratory service. My instructions are just preach the Word this morning. But at the same time, we know this is a special day, and there's things happening, and, and things are, are, there's, there's change taking place. So in praying about it, I was just drawn back to this uh, passage of Scripture. There's a number of uh, things said here in the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Verse 1 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord came, uh, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So when Moses transitioned out, Joshua transitioned in. But can you imagine the intimidation that he must have felt? The, 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 the awe. I mean, first of all, this was his father, his spiritual father, the man he had served and loved and, and had been mentored by all these uh, many years. And uh, nobody in the uh, nation of Israel in, in Judaism is more venerated, more honored than Moses. Moses the deliverer. Moses the lawgiver. Uh, Nobody is thought more highly of than Moses. And now then, here Moses has gone, and Joshua <laughs> is having a talk with the Lord. All right, now it's your turn. But God didn't just tell him, do the best you can. He gave him some instructions, and he made him some promises. And while this may have an application to maybe this particular situation, this has an application to all of us and to the days that we're living in, and to the times that we face, and to what's going on. Because there's a lot of challenges, and there's a lot of struggles, there's a lot of obstacles out there. And it's important that each one of us uh, be, be on our game. You know what I mean? As believers, there are those that will win, and there's, there are those that will lose. There are those that will be victims, and there are those that will be victorious. And God's not the one picking and choosing. It's not, it's not the devil who gets to make that call. You and I are the ones that decide which, which side of that we fall on. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be a victor. I am a victor. I am victorious. I am not a victim. I do not have a victim mentality. I do not have a victim attitude. Amen. I don't talk like a victim. I talk like a champion. I talk like a winner. Glory to God. And that's what you and I are born of. We're born of a champion. We're born of a winner. Glory to God. So when God came to Joshua and gave him these instructions, he told him some things to do, and he made him some promises. And first thing I want you to do is notice what he told him to do. Chapter 1, verse 8. He said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you shall have good success. He encourages, encourages him three times here. Verse 6, verse 7, and again in verse 9. Be strong and be of courage. You know, it takes courage to be a believer. I said it takes courage to be a believer. Amen. Christianity is not for wimps. And God's looking for Christians. He doesn't need any more Christianettes. There's a lot of those out there. But you are Christians. You are believers. Why? Because 
You are people of the word. And so this is what God told him. This book of the law shall not depart from out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe, that thou mayest see, to do according to what's written therein. Because it's the doer of the word that is blessed in his doing, not the hearer only. And he said, when, when you do this, then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. Now you understand this has a New Testament, this has a New Testament application too. This was Old Covenant, and he said this book of the law, but at the same time, the Word of God today holds the same place, an even greater place in our life because it's not a dead letter, it's a living epistle revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And so the New Testament gives the same instructions, and I think it's good that we look at that. Go with me to Colossians, the second chapter. Colossians chapter 2. Correction, Colossians chapter 3. And notice what it says in verse 15. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. How many of y'all are ruled by peace today? Can I see your hand? That's a way to be. That's a way to be like, like Miss Marcia here. You know, just uh, uh, oblivious in, in some ways. <laughs> now, I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that like dumb blonde or airhead or anything like that. I mean, I mean, I mean you're, you're, you're so, you're so in, invested in the Lord and invested in the moment that you don't even care, you know? You don't even care. I got a, a friend in my church who was, uh, he, he was talking about his, uh, his wife. And he said, boy, she just loves to listen to it. And she mentioned a, a minister, uh, uh, Joe Morris is his name, a minister I have in quite frequently. He speaks a lot on end times. She said he loves, she, he loves to, she loves to listen to his stuff. She doesn't watch the news. She doesn't listen to CNN. She doesn't listen to the radio. She didn't even know what's going on out there. She said, he said, from time to time, something will come up and I'll say, well, you know, this and that, you know, something the government did, something that happened. And she said, I, I don't know, I hadn't heard about it. She didn't even care. She just goes through life blissfully unaware that there's a problem out there. Praise the Lord. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't make the problems go away. Don't misunderstand me. But it sure does make for an enjoyable uh, way of life for her. We all need to be that way to, to some extent. Yeah, we have to be realists. We have to keep ourselves in tune with what's going on. We, we, we can't stick our heads in the sand like an ostrich. But at the same time, you can be so, so enraptured by the promises of God and so full of faith and so full of life and peace and joy that it's like, yeah, I know, but praise the Lord, I'm on the victory side. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now see, that's the same thing that he told Joshua. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Flip back over to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, while we're right here. And notice what it says. It says something very similar I'd like to bring out. Verse, uh, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How many of you want to be in the will of God? Yeah, I do. That's a good place to be. And here's what the will of God is. Verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Everybody say, be filled. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll stop right there. Now notice that, how that the will of the Lord is that we stay filled filled with the Word, Colossians, filled with the Spirit, and be thankful. And you can always tell when people are full because they're thankful. They're upbeat. They're joyful. They're positive. It's not that they're idiots or they're, you know, denying something that's going on. It's just that it doesn't touch them. It's there, but who cares? Are you listening to me? We're going over, not under. Glory to God. How many of you are going over with Pastor... Alan and Peter and me. Yeah, we're going over and not under. Glory to God. Jesus said to the disciples, let us pass over 
to the other side. They got out there and there was a storm and some of the disciples were afraid of sinking and, and, and drowning. But Jesus didn't say anything about going under. He said, let us go, let us pass over to the other side. So since he didn't mention under, he just went to sleep, took a nap on the boat. Let them do the worrying. Praise the Lord. So we see here that even in the New Testament, our instructions are the same as it was with Joshua. Stay filled. Stay filled. Don't, don't try to live your life half full. Don't try to live your life on empty or on fumes. You know, today, uh, we, we haven't seen so much shortage. We've just seen increases. But, you know, there's, there's always that threat. And there was a season there, a threat of shortages and running out of gas. I told my family, keep your gas tanks full. Don't let it get down below half empty. I don't, like, I, don't, I don't want to see it down there on E or a quarter. When it gets to half, fill it back up. Just in case something happens with all this you know, foolishness going on that gas gets hard to get. Keep your tanks full. I've always lived that way. I don't like to see my, I don't like to get the, the needle to get over there near E. I like, it, I like it up there near the F. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's a good way to live our lives. Stay full. Stay full of the Word. Stay full of the Spirit. Glory to God. Yeah, and that's what God told Joshua. Just stay full of the Word. This is an intimidating venture you're going on. This is a, this is a, a, a challenging task that I'm assigning to you. So what do you got to do? Figure it all out? No, just stay full. Stay filled. When, God, when Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to the disciples and appeared to over 500 people, Everybody's ready. Are you going you gonna to set your kingdom up again? They asked him in Acts chapter 1. Are you going to fulfill all that now? We're ready. We're behind you. Jesus said, look, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Don't worry about all that. Here's what I want you to do. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. After that, you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So they went back and they gathered together there in the upper room. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, they were all with one accord in one place. And they heard a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Glory to God. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them in that place. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And there was lightnings and thunders and, and, uh, and, 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 and manifestations of the wind of the Spirit blowing. And, and, uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And because they got filled, see, they were kind of hunkered down in that upper room. But when they got filled, that room couldn't hold them. See, it's not the size of the place that you're in that makes a difference on whether it contains you. It's the size of what's in you. It's the volume of what's in you that makes the difference whether you can be contained or not. See, there's some of us, glory to God, we're just so full that the devil can't hem us in. He builds a bigger fence. We just keep expanding. Stay filled. Stay filled. That's all you got to do, child of God. You don't have to figure out what's going on these days. Just stay full. Stay full. It's easy. Living in these last days is going to be easy if you stay full. Don't let your tank get down to eat. Stay in church. Stay in fellowship. Don't let the diseases, the designer diseases of the day that they're manufacturing to try to separate us. Don't let, the, don't let the mandates, don't let all those things that are happening today that are different than we've seen in the past, don't let that cause you to back off from being in the place where God fills your tank. Now, certainly we all need our own private time. We all need devotional time. But God does things in the church that he doesn't do anything anywhere else. God reserves manifestations of the Spirit for when his people are gathered together and you can't get them any other way. Are you listening to me? Stay in the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Are you here? I'll build my church just like the ark I was talking about. Jesus is building his church. Now, just because it says church doesn't mean it's his church. But when you find a place that is a church that Jesus built, glory to God, stay close to it. When God connects you with a place, when God connects you with a ministry and a man of God, stay, excuse me, stay close to it, glory to God. Because 
that's where you're going to get your tank continually refilled. Glory to God. The Word. Worship. And then you can change the world. Stay full of the Word. Be a worshiper. And then you can change the world. Are you out there? Praise God. So he told Joshua, and he tells us, and he demonstrated again on the day of Pentecost, stay full. Write that down. Your job in these last days, number one, is stay full. Now the second thing that he told him is found a few chapters over. And I like this. This is a little bit, I don't know, this, this just speaks to me. When Joshua took the leadership of the, and took command of the, of the armies and the leadership of the people, the first thing that they had to do was overcome this walled city, very intimidating, very, very uh, formidable, the city of Jericho. And of course, you know the, 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 the story, how that uh, uh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. You heard that song. I remember Elvis singing that. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. But actually, that's not right. Joshua did not fight the battle of Jericho. God told Joshua, here's what I want you to do. So Joshua, like a good commander, he's out there and he's surveying, he's reconnoitering the day before the, the assault. He's gathering intel as he prepares to go up against this city. And we read here in Joshua chapter 5, verse 12, And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So we see they're in the land of Canaan. They've, they've uh, come across the Jordan River. They're facing this city, and this is their first obstacle, and God has told them this is going to be your first campaign. Verse 13, Joshua's out there looking, gathering intel. Verse 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Now that's a logical question. He sees a guy there he doesn't recognize, sword drawn, surveying the same land that he is, and he goes over and asks him, are you with us or with them? Now verse 14, look at this answer. And he, the man said, nay, no, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face on the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And when he said that, we now know, we, we now identify this man with the drawn sword as a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus. Because this man identified himself as the captain. Now that's not like a field grade officer. The word captain there in the Hebrew is the commander. He was the commander in chief of the host of the Lord's army. He was Jesus. And what thrills me about this is that this campaign that, he, that Joshua has been assigned, <clears throat> as he's looking out and, as I say, gathering intel, this campaign was so important to the Lord that Jesus himself appeared naturally, physically, because he surveyed this thing as well. He came down to see what he's going to do in this battle. So when Joshua asked the logical question, are you for us, are you for them? He said, no. You got it backwards. You're asking the wrong question. Now take your shoes off, because the place you're standing is on holy ground. We know that also identifies him as the Lord, because that's the same thing that Jehovah God told Moses on the Mount Sinai when he stood there at the burning bush. What an angel. You don't worship angels. Joshua fell down and worshiped. This campaign, this assignment, was so important to God that Jesus himself personally came down to survey 
the landscape before the battle. So I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm going to give you the, the, the essence of this appearance. What Jesus is telling him is, he's already told him, stay full, and now he's telling him, stay out of my way. I'm here to handle this. You watch. That's why I say Elvis got it wrong. Joshua didn't fight the battle of Jericho. Jesus fought the battle of Jericho. All they did was march around the walls a few times and then at the prescribed moment shout and the walls fell down flat. Are y'all here or not? I don't know if that makes a hair on your back of your neck stand up like it does mine. But when I think about Jesus himself, before he was the Jesus that we know born of, of Mary, Jesus himself, the Son of God, the captain, the commander of the host of the Lord, came to survey with his sword in his hand. He stands there holding it, looking out over this campaign. <laughs> Tomorrow we're going to have some fun. <laughs> now Joshua's out there trying to figure out how we're going to do this. And Jesus tells him, watch. Just watch. Now here's the word that I have for you today. In any transition, in this transition, in the days that we're living in, if you want to live a victorious and overcoming life, all you got to do is two things. You don't need nine steps to victory. You don't need 18 principles to memorize. You need this. Stay filled and stay out of God's way and let Him do what He wants to do. You alluded to that earlier. It's something that you said up there just... And the, and the singers were talking about, you know, just, hey, Lord, we want you to do what you want to do. Well, we say it, but we need to mean it. And we need to live it. Now, I don't know who this is, but somebody here, and it may be more than one, God is, is uh, your, your sinuses and your bronchial linings and the linings of your lungs are being ministered to right now, being healed right now. I, I just sense a healing power of God working in there. And it may be residual effects of COVID or something like that. But uh, uh, your, your taste and your smell and, and, and your ability to breathe is being restored. Somebody's had some trouble breathing at night. You hadn't got symptoms, but you, you just like, you're not back to 100%. The Spirit of God's here. The, the healing power's here. He's moving in that. You're being healed. Glory to God. If you need that, just take it. Say, that's mine. I lay claim on that now. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. So stay filled. And stay out of God's way. That's number two. Write that down. And I'm telling you, if you'll live your life that way today, just stay full and stay out of God's way. We do it all the time. We, we, we trip God up. We do. I remember years ago, Brother Hagin was doing a meeting in Birmingham. It was, this would have been uh, June of 1986. I don't know if anybody was in that meeting or not, but he had an all-faith crusade downtown at the Civic Center. And because we were, you know, the, the Rama church in, in the area, we supplied all the helps ministry. And I had my ushers and my counselors and my, uh, but it was his meeting. We just volunteered all, all our people. Well, our usher team was pretty good. We had, I mean, re we really had a spot on usher team. You, you remember our ushers, how, how sharp they were, you know. And uh, they, they wanted to help. I mean, bless them, they, they, they wanted to do good. But there was this one guy. And he caught hold of, 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 of the, the realization he could be healed. He was in a wheelchair. He'd actually been in a shootout with the police some years before, and a bullet had clipped his spine, and he was paralyzed in that wheelchair from the waist down. But he'd gotten saved, and now then he's hearing the word. And Brother Hagin, he heard Brother Hagin say, now, if you need healing in these meetings, come every service that you can. We're going to have a healing service Friday night. So come as... Every, every service. Don't miss a service. So he, he said, I, I'm going to come, and I'm going to hear, I'm going to be healed. He, he started to say it out loud. Now, we got to know him because my, my guys are ushering, and, of course, I'm down there making sure they're ushering right and just overseeing everything, charge the helps ministry. And, and uh, so I got to know him, and, and he said, Friday night is my night. Well, I watched him. He was there on Monday. He was there on Tuesday, Wednesday morning. I saw him. He said, Friday night's my night. Wednesday night, he came, Friday night is my night. Can't move, still in the wheelchair, Friday night's my night. Thursday morning came along. He said, I saw him that morning. He said, tomorrow night's my night. 
Then that evening, he said, tomorrow night's my night. Friday morning came along. He was in the service. Tonight is my night. Brother Hagin already announced he's going to lay hands on people and the hard cases, the wheelchair cases. And there was a, a, a group of them lined up on the left side over here uh, of the stage where he was speaking in the, I believe it was the, um, well, it doesn't matter. It was just a venue where it was on the stage with him, the, the wheelchairs were. And then the uh, people were down kind of lower looking up. <clears throat> so... Uh, Friday night came along, and I saw him before. He said, tonight's my night. Well, of course, he's got me wired up. I'm, I'm ready to see something. He believes it, and I believe it. I believe him. He believes God, and I believe him. And he's, he's over here with a bunch of wheelchairs. So Brother Hagin, at the end of the service, he comes over there, and he starts ministering to him. And he lays hands on this one, and he prays over him. And then he lays hands on this one, and he prays over him. There was about five people in the wheelchair. This guy was number three. He laid a hand on the first two. There was no noticeable manifestation, you know. But he got to that third one. And, and Pastor Peter, he, he no more than just reached out and just barely touched him with the tips of his fingers. That guy shot up out of that wheelchair like, like uh, remember James Bond's ejector seat in that, in that Aston Martin here? He shot up out of that seat and he began to walk like this across the front. I mean, the stage, he's on the stage. And we're all looking up at him. And he's walking like that. Well, my ushers got over there and they trying to grab his arms, and, and, uh, and they all got tangled up and tripped him, and they all three fell down on the stage at the concert hall, Civic Center in Birmingham. It was quite a spectacle. But the guy, the guy was walking until my guys got in his way. Are you listening to me? Stay out of God's way. Stay out of God. Sometimes we try to help him, and he doesn't need our help. Stay filled and you'll know what to do. Stay filled with the Word. Stay filled with the Spirit. And when you do, stay out of God's way. You'll know. You'll know when to stay out of His way. So that's what God told Joshua. By the way, the guy walked and he got back up and, and kept walking. And I saw him some years later. He walked up to me at a totally different meeting. Amen. There's nothing too big for God. There's nothing too big for our God. I said, there's nothing too big for our God. So I don't know about you, but it just brings such peace and, and rest to me to know, all right, my assignment in these last days, stay full and stay out of God's way. I can do that. What about you? What about you? Can you do that? Amen. Everybody say it. Stay filled and stay out of God's way. Now, you ought to write those things down. You don't want to forget those. You want to meditate in that. You want to apply that in your life. So that's what the Lord told him to do. Now then, God made him three specific promises. And I want to share those with you. Joshua chapter 1. I'll read verse 2 again. Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them even the children of Israel. I love the way God's tenses are in the book of Joshua and specifically his instructions to the people of Israel. And remember, 1 Corinthians 10 says, these things were written for our admonition. We have these things for us. This is not a history lesson. This is something, this is applied Christianity. We see what God did and the Holy Ghost says, now apply that to your life because I wrote it down for you. Are you here? And so his tenses are just awesome because he always says, I do give. I do give. Not that I'm going to give. You know, the world's always talking about something that's going to happen. People of hope look for what's going to come. Jesus is going to come. You understand that? And what do we call it? Our blessed hope. But God's not talking to them here about hope. He's talking about something that, as far as he's concerned is done. That's the difference between hope and faith. And he's stirring Joshua in faith. And he said, I give you this. I do give. Yes, I do. Glory to God. And then he said to him the first of three specific promises. Number one, verse three, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that 
have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From this wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Now, first thing, again, write this down. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Glory to God. Every place. Now, we've taken this, you know, in the church world. I don't know if y'all have done it, but I've been in places where we had Jericho marches, where people would march around and walk around the auditorium or walk around a new piece of property or walk around whatever. And that's fine, that's fine. But understand what he's saying here. He said, every place, once again, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon. Let me, let me say it like this in a way that we down here in Alabama can relate to. Every place you put your foot down, it's not just about taking a casual walk like you're strolling in the park with your dog. Sometimes you've got to put your foot down. And God says, everywhere you put your foot down, I give it to you. When you put your foot down where healing is concerned, God gives it to you. When you put your foot down where increase is concerned, God gives it to you. When you put your foot down where the devil messing with your kids is concerned, God gives it to you. Are you listening to me? But there's times you got to put your foot down. Now, when I was growing up, all of you are the same way because, you know, culturally we're all out of the same, out of the same boat here. Your mama or your dad, usually it was mama, would put their foot down. And you know what that meant. I can see a lady back there shaking her head right now, and she's long removed from that, but she's remembering. Oh, my God. When my mama put her foot down, that was the end all. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Of course you do. When mama put her foot down, that meant we're, we're through. The discussion is over. You're going to do this or there's going to be consequences. I've argued with you and I've hassled with you and I've overlooked you and I've loved you. And I, but when I put my foot down, that means you better do it. And you better do it now. Because that means I'm not backing up. Now, see, you might have backed mama up for the past hour or so. She told you to do something. I'll get to it. I'll get there. Okay. Come on in. Get cleaned up. Time to eat. I'll be there in a little bit. But when mama puts her foot down, then praise God, that's it. You know she's not moving. One of us is going to move and it ain't going to be her. Are you out there or not? Yeah. That's what God is saying to Joshua. Every place you put your foot down. There's times that you need to put your foot down where the devil and his messing is concerned in your life. We spend a lot of time praying and asking God to do something that God has already said, all you need to do is put your foot down here. If the devil's running loose in your household, it's because you hadn't put your foot down and shut the door on him. If things are hassling all the time, it's because you hadn't put your foot down and said, I'm declaring an end to this confusion in the name of Jesus. Sometimes you just got to do that. We've all been in that place where we're asking God, Lord, what's wrong? What's going on? Where am I missing it? Why? How come all this is happening? I'm a faith person. I'm a word person. This ain't supposed to be happening. Why, the word says... We've all been there. And so we're wondering why God's not moving. And now we've got our answer. God said, I'm ready, just put your foot down. I'll back you up, but you've got to put your foot down. What did the Bible say about Jesus and the devil? How did, what did it liken him? And what did, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, when God told Adam how he'd messed up, what did he say? He said, the seed of the, of the serpent shall bite his heel, but the seed of the woman shall crush his head. See, we got a foot and devil thing going on here, a heel and a serpent thing going on here. And while Satan strikes, the end of it is when Jesus stomped his head in. Now, he's given us the same mandate, if you will, the same instructions. The devil is 
biting at you, striking you. If you're hearing rattles going on and looking, can't figure out where it's coming from, put your foot down. God's already put the snake boots on you. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Those are snake-proof boots. So you got to put your foot down. Things going on in the church, sometimes you just got to put your foot down. Things going on in the family, sometimes you just got to put your foot down and tell the devil, no! See, you're not going to sleep in my services. Amen. Everybody say, put your foot down. Amen. Because every place you put your foot down, God says, I have given it unto you. Then the next thing, he, next promise he made him is found in verse 5. He said, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. No man shall be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Now, the way to apply this is this way. Obviously, there will be those that try to oppose you in whatever you're going to do, but that, that's handled. But here's a way that I think men stand in our way more than any other, and that is by letting what's going on in somebody else's life affect the way I live mine or affect the way I approach it. You've heard, you've heard people say things like this, well, if so-and-so can't get it, what chance is there for me? But what's going on with so-and-so doesn't have anything to do with you. Jesus, just like he said, put your foot down, Jesus has given you authority over the devil, but it's not the person that knows it, it's the person that does it that's going to see the results. Now, you know, you hear from time to time people say, well, you know, the, God will use the devil to teach you a lesson. Or God perfects you through these things. Or God. But I'm, I'm reminded of the story over in uh, Matthew's gospel where the Mount of, uh, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the Mount of Temptation, Jesus filled with the Spirit. Right after that, the Holy Ghost led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And there he met the devil on three different challenges. And, of course, defeated him. But now to those that would say, God uses the devil to teach you a lesson, let me just point it back over here to Jesus. Did God send Jesus to the mountain for the devil? And God sent him. Did he send Jesus to that mountain for the devil to teach him a lesson? Or did he send Jesus to that mountain to teach the devil a lesson? And wherever God leads you, what he's leading you there for is not so the devil can perfect you and the devil can, can teach you something, but so that you, as a child of God, a representative of the armies of God, can teach the devil a lesson and put him in his place. Put your foot down. And don't get caught up in all this business about what's going on with somebody else. Well, I heard some preacher did. It doesn't matter what somebody else does. Faith is a very personal thing. And your faith in God and His Word will always work when you apply it. When you stand your ground, <clears throat> when you make your claims, when you release your faith. So don't let what somebody else has done or is doing or is going through. Now another way you can apply that is don't let what somebody's done to you stand in your way. Like the sister was mentioning this morning about something in the past, and Pastor Peter mentioned in the story about what happened yesterday affecting today's season. That's it. That's what he's saying. Don't let what has happened to you, don't let some betrayal, don't let some, some treachery, don't, don't let some unforgiveness that belongs in history affect your walk and the possession of the land of promise today. God's got things He wants you to possess, but you got to do it by faith. And unforgiveness and holding on to the past and all that will hinder your faith. Listen, child of God, we learn from the things that we go through, but there's a reason why the 
rear view mirror in your car is this big and the windshield is this big. And that reason is because you're supposed to be spending most of your time looking at the front and not in the back. People that drive along looking in the rear view mirror like this are a threat to everybody else on the road. You see, you see sometimes, you know, I, I'm thankful I don't have to drive in rush hour traffic and work traffic. But sometimes when you're in it, you'll see some woman putting her makeup on, you know, while she's driving. Looking in the rear view mirror, I give people like that a wide berth, you know. I, I put a lot of distance between them and me. Don't spend your time looking back. No man, look at it again, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Glory to God. So don't let men, don't let men be the obstacles in your life. Another way you can let men stand in your way is by looking to them to help. Looking to them as a supply. Listen, God's got many channels in life, but there's only one source. God is my source. If you make man your source, then man will also be your ceiling. But if God is your source, then there is no ceiling. There is no limit to how far you can go or how high you can climb. Amen. So number one, every place you put your foot down, God gives you. Number two, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And number three, very important. He said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Now that has a twofold thing. There's two parts to that. Number one, let's read it like this. As I was, so I will be. As I was, so I will be. God never changes. If you can find one person that he healed, God will heal you. If you can find one person God delivered from the mental institution, he'll do it for you. If you can find one person God restored after a divorce, he'll do it for you. If you can just find one person, one testimony, one example of God doing it, he'll do it for you. Because as I was, so I will be. Glory to God. Don't look for the ones, don't look for the numbers that haven't gotten it. Just look for the one that has because that's all you need. God will do it for you. But the B part of this verse is also very important. And that is, he said, as I was with Moses. You see, God puts us together with people. God put me with a man named Brother Hagin. He called me to follow him and go to school and, and, and sit under him. And he was my mentor. He was my father in the faith. And I, I followed him from afar for a long time. And I studied under him. And I just knew him spiritually. And then God blessed me with a relationship with him. And I was, as, I was as close as I could be for 25 years until he went home to be with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me one time and said, As I was with Brother Hagin, so I will be with thee. And what that means is this. God puts us with greatness. He'll put us around greatness. Not to worship them, but to learn from them and to emulate them. And if you look at Joshua's story, first thing that happened in Joshua's ministry after, after Moses was gone and, 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 and Joshua basically <clears throat> took command, first thing that happened was they crossed the Jordan River. And how did they do it? The waters parted when the Ark of the Covenant went in there. Well, it was one of the first things that we see in Moses' ministry, the parting of the Red Sea. How did Joshua know to do that? He watched Moses do it. And God told him, as I was with Moses, that's how I'll be with thee. We need to understand that when God puts us in places like an ark, like a church, gives us a pastor, gives us leaders and elders among us, and we all need them. We all need them. He does so to teach us how these things work. Praise God. 
And we walk others walk, we watch others walk through things in victory, and we walk in their steps, and God does for us what he did for them. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with thee. As I was with Brother Hagin, so I'll be with thee. Praise God. Amen. So he puts us together in these companies and, 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 and joins us together and calls us to one another so that we can learn from those that have gone on before. And we can realize that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And it's not about them having to walk you through holding your hand because they've given you what you need. Just do what you've seen them do. That's what Joshua did. He just did what he saw Moses do when the time came to do something. He stayed full. He stayed out of God's way. And he didn't try to jump ship and do things, make up a, a whole new way of going about doing things. I've watched people that God called. I, I mentioned Brother Hagin a while ago. Uh, God called a lot of us to him, to follow him. Thousands of graduates of his school, of Ramah. And yet, so many I see, they hit a hard spot or things change or whatever. And they decide, well, I'm going to jump on this, try to change horses in midstream. No, stay with the word. Stay with faith. Stay with what works. Somebody else's way is not going to work for you. Don't think that the answer is when the going gets rough. It's not going to work. That's not what God's called you to. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. So, did you write these things down? Glory to God. What are we instructed to do? Stay full and stay out of God's way. I can do that. What about you? I said, I can do that. What about you? Praise God. Father, glory to God. Somebody's tongue, somebody's throat and tongue is, uh, you, you've had, uh, I don't know if it's a sore throat or just a thickness or whatever, but somebody's tongue's being healed. Maybe seen this morning. Glory to God. You know, one of the things that uh, we've, we've, we recognize the company that we've been called to is the anointing. Thank God for the anointing. It's not about our own wisdom or our own ability. There's an anointing. And there's a blessing to help us. Praise God. And uh, you know, I'm a carrier of anointings. I've had, I've had hands laid on me by the Greatest of the 20th century, the healing revival. My first ordination was by a woman and her husband. Their names were Wilford and Gertrude Wright. She was the daughter, the great apostle and healing minister. Had hands laid on him by Smith Wigglesworth. Dozens of times I've had Brother Hagin's hands laid on me as well as Brother Sumrall. Brother Copeland, for the spirit of increase. Glory to God. One of the last men that I had hands laid and I heard he's, he'll be going to heaven soon. And I never, I never was connected with him in any kind of way ministerial, although I learned from him, read his books and so forth. But just, I asked the Lord to help me to, that I might get what I wanted from him before he went home to be with the Lord. And those Dr. Fred and Betty Price to get me a private. Phyllis and me had a, and I had a private afternoon with Oral Roberts out there in his, his um, condominium out in Newport. Afternoon. And he told us stories of healing. He told me from laying hands on millions of people over the years. And uh, he asked me there as the afternoon wore on and it was getting, Phyllis come over here and he was sitting in his leather chair and in front of him was his big leather ottoman. He said, sit right here in front of me. So we sat down. He said, now what do you want from God? Well, that was a good question, wasn't it? From Oral Roberts. And I thought about all the things that I'd like to have. I thought about all the people I'd like to see disappear. Things, But what came up out of my spirit was, I want the anointing that's on you. Because it's the anointing that removes the burden. He laughed, he leaned back and laughed. And then he reached out and put his hand on my head on Phyllis's head. And he prayed a prayer over us. And I, I can't tell you what the prayer was. All I know is that for three days, 
I tingled. Something went into me that day. And it was like, you ever stuck your tongue to a nine-volt battery? It kind of tingles. That's the way my whole body felt. It didn't hurt. Like an energy going through me. And I asked the Lord about it. I said, Lord, what is it? He said, I want you to know. I did that so that you would know that you received something from him and that you do what he told you to do. Because the Lord, lay your hands on God's people. Love to have the man of God's hands laid on them. So I, I said, okay, I got it, Lord. This morning, if you uh, would like, if you've got he, uh, any kind of sickness or disease in your body to heal the sick, and if you want hands laid on you, then just come on down here and I'll do so. And I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. Amen. I'm just the vessel. But I'll tell you this, it's here today. God's power is available today. So if you want healing, just make your way down here. I guess y'all have a system that usher God. Come believing that when hands are laid on you, you'll receive God's power this morning. Amen. On the head of sickness today. And we're going to see God's power and anointing manifest and our dominion over the problem. Glory to God. All right. Praise God. Father, we thank you this morning. You as a the company of to you and yield my hands to you to flow through. So that when hands are laid upon the sick, they'll receive that anointing. And that anointing will affect a healing and a cure in their I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord that by faith we receive this power. And today we're demonstrating faith. My hands on these. They've got enough faith to come up here expecting. Praise God. We expect your will to be accomplished this morning in Jesus' name. Glory to God. I'll just start down here on the end. Jesus, dear sister. I lay, oh, thank you, Father. I lay my hands on you at the church. I release that healing power to flow into your body from head to toe to affect a cure over every sickness and every symptom. Be healed in Jesus' name. Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. His power is here. Shout with your spirit, with your faith, and lay hold on it. It's mine. I take it now. We break the power of infirmity in your life. I break the power of every sign right now. Satan, because of what we know and because of what we declare today, in the name of Jesus, I speak life to every cell of your body, dear sister. Every cell of your body. I'm just going to speak out of my spirit. may not necessarily be the person I'm laying hands on, but I'm just saying, in the name of Jesus, tumors disappear. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Organs are quickened. Hearts, lungs, into the power of the Spirit of God. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord, that your glory is manifest in this service today. Hallelujah. I speak strength in Jesus' name. Dear sister, we put our foot down on this sickness, on this infirmity today. And we give God praise that His his anointing, the desired effect in your body. Mm. Glory to God. Ha <laughs> ha. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Father. Now, it has to go. Satan, take your hands off God's property of the Lord. In Jesus' name. God's Word and God's Spirit are in love with your body. And God's highest wish for you in health today by the Spirit He accomplishes that in you strength and healing to you my dear sisters glory to God we speak from head to toe <laughs> glory to God victory victory the spirit of victory is in your house not the spirit of infirmity and weakness but the spirit of victory and strength glory to God in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Young lady, 
I lay my hands on you and enforce. Yeah, I enforce the will of God today. I command Satan to take his hands off of you. Ah, this, this, this that, that you've struggled with, you're loose from it in Jesus' name. From head to toe, we thank you, Father. Praise God. Praise God. In Jesus' name, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I speak to your joints. I speak peace and healing and health over you, sir, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank God His power is working in you today. From head to toe, be, be healed and be free. Glory. Length of days and long life. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Will I satisfy you, he said. In the name of Jesus, sir, I lay my hands on you and I release that power, that anointing into your I give God praise for his work in your behalf. Glory to God. Pain, let him go. And I speak to the spirit of fear here today in Jesus' name. There is nothing to fear for any of us is here. The greater one, the greater one loves you with a love that cannot be described. Glory to God. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for your healing power in this gentleman. Glory to God. Quickening. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, makes alive, he invigorates to every cell and every organ of your body in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank you for it, Father. Are you up here for prayer? Ma'am, you just up here with him? Glory to Jesus, dear sister. I lay hands on you. I speak to your legs, your knees. I speak to your circulatory system. Healing blood to flow and take healing power to every cell of your body. Your feet, every part of your body touched by infirmity, I declare today, according to Jeremiah verse, verse 17, I will restore health unto thee and heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Glory. Thank you for strength and vigor. Glory. Anybody else? Who? All of these guys, praise God. Thank you, Lord. I release that power into you today, dear sister. Glory to God. Restoration of heaven, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. God's power flowing in this service and into your body today. In Jesus' name. Glory, glory. He said, these signs will follow them that believe They'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Well, we're laying our hands in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You up here for prayer? Okay. In Jesus' name, glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for them and your victory in Jesus' name today. We lay our hands on you, dear sister. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And Jesus makes you whole. Jesus make glory to God. Thank you for it, Father. We're so grateful for your anointing today. In the name of Jesus, glory to God. I speak health to you. I speak strength to you. Glory to God. We're putting our foot down today on this place. And we're saying no more. No more. Thank you, Father. Give you praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, receive that and be blessed. Receive it and be blessed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now everybody say it out loud. I believe that I receive my healing. When hands were laid on me, and into me. It is working in me. I'm putting my foot down. I declare myself healed and strong. And I'll live long. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand up and give God praise for it this morning. Come on. Let's praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.